you will remain standing for uh, the reading of God's Word. In Matthew chapter 4 this morning, you can find it in your bulletin and on the screens behind me or turn in your, your own Bibles. Matthew writes, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea and the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask now that your spirit would be moving and active as we study your scriptures. You may use them to draw us deeper into love with you and with Christ our Savior. And to encourage and equip us to live the mission you have called us to. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated if you would like. We've, uh, we're starting a, a, a shorter new sermon series this morning. It's Missions Month, as Harry said during announcements. And, and so we're going to be talking about missions. And I don't know about you, but when Missions Month comes along, I usually think, okay, so we're going we're to talk about missionaries. The people that we send. When I think missions, I think we're sending somebody. Somebody's going. It's not me. Um, they're doing that. That's their thing. And I think that's, that's the approach a lot of us take, either because we're afraid and we're worried. We don't have the answers or, or um, we're, we're not prepared enough or we don't have the support or with the gifts or whatever it might be. And so we do. We leave it up to the professionals. What I hope we see this morning from this passage is that the call is for all of us. It's not just for the professionals. It's not just for those who have a specific call to to move across the sea to some foreign land or to some other area to to do missions. It's a call for all of us. It's a call that that, that we've all received. It's a call for for the Christian and the non-Christian. This morning, we're going to look at what this call is. So if you have your, your, your... outline and you have your your bible first look at at who who the call is for who the call is for matthew uh starts telling us that he had just heard that john had been arrested and so jesus withdrew into galilee he he goes to galilee and and then he he leaves nazareth he settles in capernaum by the sea in the land of zebulun and naphtali so that what was spoken by the prophet isaiah might be fulfilled you know, we, we hear about Galilee, we know these if you're familiar with the scriptures, if you're familiar with, with the, the stories of Christ that are found in the Gospels. Galilee is not an uncommon word for us. But, but what we don't realize is that it's a place that if you were theologically minded in Jesus' time and you've heard that Jesus is the Messiah, 
and now he's going to Galilee, you're going, you're going the wrong way, bud. You're going the wrong way. Because Galilee is a place with all these Roman out, outposts. It's a place where the tax collectors are. It's, a, it's on the trade route between uh, Damascus and the sea. That's why it's over the Jordan, and, and, and that's why it's Galilee by the sea. It's a place that, that you would not have expected the Messiah to go. They're backwoods. It's kind of the moral wild, wild west. There's a whole lot of stuff going on out there that you don't want to be a part of. So you're thinking that if he's the Messiah, no, he needs to be going down to the river, the Jordan, where the, where the spiritual renew is happening, where, where baptisms are going on. He's got to get in the game down there, or, or he needs to head to Jerusalem where the scholars are, where they're debating the scriptures and, and, and teaching and learning those things. And Matthew makes a point to say, no, he, he went here, and then he cites for us the reason that the, the scriptures would be fulfilled, that what was said in Isaiah 9 would be fulfilled. This is the fifth fulfillment of prophecy in the book of Matthew. There's ten total. We're four chapters in. Five of them have now happened that show Jesus as the Messiah. But what does it also tell us? It's, it's what Matthew's been telling us from the beginning of his gospel, right? How does he end the birth narrative? He ends the birth narrative with the Magi, with the nations coming to worship. Because in Jesus, in, in, in this one who, who is now proclaiming the kingdom is at hand, who's gone off to Galilee, the, the, the promises of old to Abraham, who was told that the nations would be blessed through you, are beginning to unfold and become true. Because what Matthew's making a point of is that this kingdom that's coming, that's being proclaimed, isn't just for the Jews. It's not just for us this morning. It's not just for Christians or the children of Christians. It's not just for those who might have been privileged to, to grow up in a nation that's a majority Christians. It's for everyone. This message that, that Christ is coming to proclaim it's for everyone. Because being unfolded now is this promise that was given long ago that the nations might be blessed through this one. What's that mean this morning? It means that this call is for you. This call is for you. It doesn't matter where you're at in, in, in your walk of faith. It doesn't matter if you're a skeptic, if you're a cynic. It doesn't matter if you're faithful for years. This call is for you. So what is the call? The call's for everyone. What is the call? Well, beginning in verse 17, Jesus begins to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The call is to repent. This is Old Testament stuff happening. This is the language of the Old Testament. Metanoia that's being used here. Repent. Turn from your evil ways. Turn from the things that you're doing. Turn and change. That's the language being, being used by Christ here. It's the language of the Old Testament, right? Of all the prophets that you see in the Old Testament, what's their call to the people of Israel when they're in their sins? Turn. Turn. Repent and turn. Change your ways. Change the things that you're investing in. Change the narratives that you're letting rule your life. Change your desires and your passions. Change for the kingdom. That's Old Testament too. I mean, we, we see throughout the Old Testament this idea that God is king of the universe and we are his subjects. The call to repent for the kingdom is near. The kingdom is at hand. This is new. Jesus starts, starts this because John says it's coming and now Jesus says it's near. What does this mean that it's near? If you're, if you're like me, you don't experience this very often because you don't like to get up early. But if you've ever gotten up really early... 
before that fiery orb of the sun comes up over the horizon, before it comes up, the world begins to light up. There begins to be light long before it comes above the horizon. And really, the the day isn't at its fullness until the, the sun is at the noonday position, high in the sky. Up until that point, it's still coming. And then it hits noon and it starts to go away. It's no different than the kingdom. Just as you might get up in the morning before the sun comes up and begin to prepare for the day, begin to hear the birds singing in preparation because the day is coming, the day is near. It's the same with the kingdom. The kingdom is near. Its fullness isn't here. It hasn't been consummated. That won't happen until Christ returns in His glory and His radiance. That'll be the noonday sun, and there will be no setting of that sun. It'll be everlasting. But until then, we're in preparation. And and, until then, as, as, as the kingdom is near, we're preparing for the day. And Jesus tells us what that means. It means that we're repenting. It means that we're repenting because the kingdom is at hand. Because the king has come. That's, that's the first part of the call. The second part is that he says, come. He's walking along the sea and he sees these brothers and he says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. This, this word, come, it, it's a word that, that actually is so comforting to them. It's comforting to us too. You know? we, we hear that word and there are times where it can be a chastisement. You know, when when I, I'm angry at my daughters and I say, get over here, come here now. But they also know that word is, is, can be sweet. Because they, they know when, when they get in an argument and, and one of them hits the other one with a, with a toy or, or they fall off their bike and they skin their knee and I say, come, come, come to daddy. That my arms are going to be full of, of mercy and love and support and tenderness. That's the, that's, that's the call of Christ. Come. He, he, he calls other places with the same language, right? Come all who are weary and heavy burdened and I'll give you rest. Come and follow me and take up your cross. It sounds difficult. But it's the way of peace and hope. See, he says, he says, come. Come and repent and turn. Turn from your desires to mine. Come and, 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 and repent and, and, and turn from the things in your life that are ruling over you. Come and turn from the things that that frustrate you day in and day out because they never produce what they say they're going to. Come and turn from the things that have promised peace but have only brought anguish. Come, Come and turn from the things that bring fear to the place that there is hope and joy. Come and turn to the place that brings peace. And he says it, And then he says, follow. Follow him. And what's their response? How do we respond? Both times he does it in this passage, they just stop doing what they're doing and they follow Jesus. Now, obviously Jesus is, is unique because there are tons of, of, of other people that ask me to follow them and ask you to follow them and I'm, I'm a little hesitant to follow them. 
I've learned that with age, that when people say to follow them or, or do the things that they're doing, I should maybe look at what they're doing first. College taught me that. You know, it would snow, and there'd be snow on the roof, and my friends would say, there's snow on the roof, let's sled off the roof. And we'd move the trampoline, and, and, and we'd hit, you know, and that was supposed to be safe. It was never safe, but I would follow. And we become more and more reluctant to follow. But there's something about Jesus here that there's no reluctancy in them. I mean, these are men that most likely have been followers of John the Baptist. Jesus comes along, and now all of a sudden, they're like, we're following this guy. I mean, they're leaving their livelihoods to follow him. They're leaving their families to follow him. Why? Why are they so quick to pick up and follow him? Because it's in following him that we get him. And that, that's the call. The, the call is to come to him. And it's in following him that we get him. It's in those places where, where we, we're overrun with, what am I supposed to do next? You know, our, our seniors are most likely have either graduated or about to graduate. And most of them have their plans filled out. But now that, that junior class is about to have to start asking that question, what am I supposed to do next? And it can be one that's full of anxiety. Am I, am I, am I going to go get a job? Am I going to go to college? Am I going to go to the military? See, it's in following him where we stop. And when we seek the wisdom of his word and we surround ourselves with godly people and we seek his will because we're following him. And those places where we're hurt and we're lonely, we stop and realize that our consolation is in him. And in those places where we're afraid and we're anxious, we go to him because we know he is sovereign and good. See, in, in following him, it's not just that we, we begin to pick up on and, and, and learn the Bible and, 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 and memorize hymns and get used to how we do church. It's that we get Jesus in following him. And we, we, we begin, as we follow him, to, to look more like him and smell more like him. And, and that's where the promise is. See, we, we, we come to him and follow him because of the promise that comes with it. The kingdom is near. It's at hand. And then what does he say to the brothers? I will make. I will make you fishermen. That's a promise. He doesn't say to him, come follow me and I'll teach you how to fish. He'll do that. He will. He'll he'll show them throughout his life and their time with him how to do it. He doesn't say, come follow me and and, and you'll you'll watch me and, and, and... You'll begin to imitate me by doing that. That happens. But it's a promise that he's going to do something. It's a promise that Paul says, right? I mean, Paul says in his, his letters that he is what he is by the grace of God. It's a promise that we will be transformed. It's a promise that we're going to be changed. And it happens in our coming to him and are following him. But it's a promise that, that's true. It's a promise that, that we often forget and we get worried. And so, and so when we think about missions, we go, I can't do this. And Jesus says, no, I, I will make you a fisher of men. And how he does it is in our following. I mean, the, these men that he's called, they're fishermen. I don't know um, 
that many, I don't, I don't think we have any watermen or fishermen that are in our, our congregation that this is what you do for a living. You may do it as recreation or hobby. You might enjoy it, but it's not what you do every day. Uh, we, we had some friends and some people in our church in Florida that that's what they did. They were fishermen, commercial fishermen. One of them owned a clam farm, and one of them got on a boat and went and caught fish every day. Sometimes he didn't catch enough, and sometimes he caught a lot. But, but those men reminded me a lot of, of my dad and his friends. I mean, they, they weren't the most educated men, if they were even educated. They, um, they weren't the, the men that, that had the most eloquent language. In fact, it was pretty crass at times, most of the time. They're a little rough around the edges. We know that's the same with these men. Because later in the book of Acts, after Christ has gone up and they've been anointed with the Holy Spirit, they begin to do crazy stuff. They begin to proclaim the good news of the gospel. They begin to perform miracles. And they get called before the Sanhedrin. And what do the Sanhedrin say about them? The Sanhedrin says they are astonished because these are ordinary men, uneducated men. But then they realize they've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. They heeded the call to come and follow him, and they've been with him. And it's transformed them. It transformed you. Now, I love, I love to fish. I grew up, uh, my, my dad had a little boat, and we would go out on Lake uh, Chesden, and we would, you know, we'd, we'd fish, and uh, we, we'd head up to the, the upper part of the, the lake where it gets pretty shallow, and um, he had a little fly rod, and we would take that out, and we would, uh, we'd fish for brim. And you would think, that's, you know, it's a tiny fish, it's not very fun, but they hit that fly on a, on a, on a light enough fly rod, and it, it is, I mean, it's like trophy fishing, it feels like. It's so fun. And it gave me this, this passion for, for fly fishing. And I went to college, and one of the first dates I took my wife on was to teach her how to fly fish. Uh, it was epic failure on every level. <laughs> um, she's not good at fishing or fly fishing. But to fly fish, you've you got you to gotta know what kind, of, what kind of fly do I need to use today? And there's, there's really three main types. There's a, a dry fly, there's a nymph, and there's a streamer. And then there's a bunch of different types under that that I won't bore you with. But you've got to know what, what kind of fly are the fish biting? As we go out into the world, we're being made into fishers of men. We're being, we're being made into people who gather people to us. We've got to know what kind of bait we're to use, what kind of lure we're to use. And what we need to realize is that actually we're the one being made into that. We're the one being made into that. Because the world that, that you walk into every single day has the same unsettled heart that you do. They're full of fear and anxiety. They're hungry and they're thirsty. They're longing for purpose and hope and joy. And peace. And by coming and following, we're being made into those things. We're being transformed into those things so that, that our coworkers and our family members and our friends and our neighbors begin to look at us and say, I don't get it. Why do they have so much joy? And it never seems to fade. How do they have hope right now? 
Why do they have peace that I can't understand? See, we, we begin as we follow Jesus and we, we continue to, to take up our cross and follow him and repent and, and wash and rinse and repeat to smell more and more like him. We begin to exude the fragrance of the gospel and people take notice and they begin to wonder and the more we do it, we get to a place in life where we can just put the sign up on the door that says gone fishing. Because we've been made fishers of men. Have you heeded the call to come and to follow and to be transformed? You know, the table set before us calls to us. It calls come. Come with repentant hearts, hands that are open, letting go of the sin to Christ the Savior, who is our hope and who promises us that He is transforming us, that we might be fishers. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your word and for the call that you've placed on us to come to come and follow that we might be transformed into fishers of men and to people who exude the gospel in our words and in our lives who smell of grace and of mercy who are the kind of Christians the world can't resist we thank you for Jesus our Savior And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.